0: Okay, good. But I am supposed to mention this. You probably don't want to be thinking about this right now, but in January, everybody say January 3rd. January 3rd. Mark that on your calendar because as a family, as a spiritual family, we are going to fast and pray together. However the Holy Spirit leads you to do it, but we are going to join together in prayer and fasting starting January 3rd. You can start sooner if you want. Or you can start January 3rd. So just put that on your, on your mental calendar. Be ready for that. That's coming up. That's going to be an awesome time. You know, one of the things I noticed, I have noticed over the years in prayer and fasting is you usually don't get the benefits in the realm of the Spirit while you're fasting. It's usually right after. Because while you're doing it, you feel sometimes you feel crummy, especially if you don't do it a lot. And if you haven't trained your body and, and kind of prepared, fasting is a lot like lots of other things. Like I was out throwing the Frisbee and the football yesterday with my kids, and I can tell today that I have not done that in a while. Uh, and it hurts a little bit. I'm not 27 anymore. Uh, and so it helps to, to do that frequently a little bit here and there and keep your body in shape. Uh, makes it a little bit easier when you do fast. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. I'm excited to be in here this morning. I love being over with Resonate Life Kids. That's where I'm normally at with... I'm, by the way, I'm Pastor Katie's husband. If you need to know who I am, my name doesn't matter. I'm just Pastor Katie's husband. She's awesome. She is doing... And the team, I will tell you, you have... Some of you are in here. If you work in the children's department, if you volunteer, raise your hand. If you volunteer with, with the kids. Yeah. Y'all are amazing. I mean, the volunteer team at this, in this family is fantastic all the way around. Um, but especially I, what I get to see is over here with the children, and this crew over here is phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, it's funny how this works. Uh, Joe and Dana were working in the two-year-old's class one morning, and I was walking by as the coordinator, and I started to, top, to uh, stop and say something to Joe about fishing. I was like, "Hey, or when are we going to go fishing?" and we started talking for a second. And Dana goes, "Y'all stop it. Joe, get in here and help me. Ben, you need to walk down the hall and do your job. And Joe, you need to get in here and help me." And Danny was cracking the whip. But you know, we have a really great time back there. If God's put it on your heart to I'm just doing a shameless plug for my wife. If God's put it on your heart, don't be intimidated. Um, you know, wounds heal that those kids inflict, those heal, you know, and if you have any emotional pain or PTSD from working with them, we will help you with that too. I'm telling you, it's worth it. They're a phenomenal group of children and they're being raised up as oaks of righteousness in this generation. And there's really no better way for you and I to spend our time than sowing seed in the next generation. And I say it's the next generation, it's really this generation, it's right now. Um, it's a huge investment, and if God's put it on your heart, do it. Um, you, you say, "Well, I don't have a lot of words. I'm not. I don't necessarily not really gifted at working with kids. That's okay. Be a support person. Be a coordinator. Help with the the check in stations. Do whatever you can to serve our children. It's it's awesome, and it'll return fruit that will last forever. All right, uh, we're gonna jump in here this morning, and. I texted uh, Pastor Jeff yesterday because I wanted a quick reminder on some words that were given at the beginning. It was the beginning of this year, or really, probably the end of last year for this year. And how many of you have heard the words that the Lord gave this family for this year? They're prophetic words. How many of you are unaware? You, you haven't heard those yet. Okay, there's a few hands here. Some of you didn't raise your hands at all. And if we're going to do this and have a good time this morning, get your motor going. Let's do this. Pour a little coffee on your head. If somebody next to you is kind of being, maybe they're snoring a little bit, just jab them with your elbow. I want to go over that word and I want to remind us of the word that the Lord gave and here's why. The Bible says that God is a prophetic God. What do I mean by that? People get a little weirded out when we use the term prophecy or prophetic because they think of really weird stuff that they've seen. The Bible says God knows the end from the beginning and he doesn't do anything without speaking it first. Let there be, let there be, fill in the blank, right? He doesn't do anything many times unless it's either prophesied in advance in his word. Or it's prayed out in intercession and declaration and prayer. How many of you are the result of someone else's prayer and intercession? Yeah, the fact that you're sitting here. The fact that your name is written in God's book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Because someone else spoke your destiny. They got a hold of your future in God even when you were unaware of it and had no hope. And they laid a hold of it for you and pulled you into it by faith. God is a prophetic God, and God gives birth to prophetic people. Well, I'm I'm not a prophet. I, I'm not. Pro- yes, you are. Do you, do you have a hole right here in the middle of your face? <laughs> then you're a prophetic person. Well, I don't I don't prophesy. You do it every day. Well, I'm getting tired of this. I want to go eat lunch. Well, you just prophesied. You're already checked out, and you're gonna you're in your, you're going to get lunch. You will have what you speak. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we are a prophetic people. We are whether we want to be or not, whether we like it or not. We speak the words of God, and God frames the worlds with his word. In fact, Hebrews said he, says he upholds all things actively. Right now, every atom... In existence, every molecule in this room is actively being held together by the living, eternal Word of God. It's active. He didn't just set this thing in motion and walk away. He set this thing in motion with His Word, and His Word is actively upkeeping everything, even as we speak. And so, God's a prophetic God. He speaks, things happen, and we're to join with Him. We're made in His image. We're to speak what He says and co-create and collaborate, cooperate with Him. I've got five people that agree, and that's okay. We can get it done with five. Six. Can I get a seventh? Seventh. All right. Let's do this. So don't be weirded out. Listen, don't let somebody else's excess rob you of the treasure of the truth of God's Word. Let me, let me say this to you too, because I, I, just bear with me here. I get a little tired of this. Do you throw away your baby because it poops? <laughs> Jeff, little JJ, he didn't feel good this morning. He's going to feel much better. Thank you, Brian, for releasing that word. Oh, JJ is healed in Jesus' name. He, re, he is. He's going be fine. But it, are you going to throw him away because he smells, because he poops, because he messes up? What if he hauls off and hits you one day because he gets a little frustrated? You going to throw him away? Why? He's your boy. You know what he's going to become even in the midst of the mess. Now, I'm not saying... I mean, there is a book, Everybody Poops, and I I like to talk about poop because it's our daily life. It's in the backyard, it's in the house, it's everywhere. The church... I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for this later. Just turn the cameras off. The church does the same thing. Church people make lots of messes, don't we? But I know no one in this room ever gossips or goes to excess or tries to inflict their gift on other people who don't want it or do something they're called to do, but out of God's way and timing that causes pain and frustration and confusion for other people. We wouldn't do any of that stuff, would we? None of us would, well, we wouldn't mean to, but do we? Well, sure we do because we're all children of God and and he's maturing us and growing us up in the grace of God to become who he created us to be. And he's not going to throw you away because you screwed up and I'm certainly not going to throw you out because you screwed up. I hope you don't throw me out if I mess up and when I mess up. So if you've seen excesses in the body of Christ, and you've been, I hear this term being used a lot, church hurt. Well, I don't ever hear anybody say family hurt. Well, I just don't ever go around because I'm family hurt. Well, yeah, there's some, sometimes people avoid their family members for a little bit, but you generally try to work it out. But somehow, because the family of God, I, don't, I can just go down the road and get me a new family. Ooh, come, on. come on, y'all. Let's... Is the blood of Jesus stronger than the blood of man or not? Well, I'll always have my family. Yes, you will, but the blood of Jesus is stronger than that. And He makes us one. The enemy would love for us to be splintered and temporary and to have little contracts with each other when really what God has given us is a covenant in the blood of Jesus with one another. Now, that doesn't mean I have to trust you. (laughs) You might be on probation in my book a little bit, but that's okay. We'll get through it. Everybody gets off of probation (laughs) or vice versa. I might be on probation in your book. If you're, if you know, if my kids say things in your classroom, any of you teachers, you probably know things about me that I don't even know. (laughs) So here was the word Jeff uh, texted. Pastor Jeff texted this to me. Is it 1120? I can't see. Wow, I need a different kind of glasses. Oh, boy. So, at the beginning of the year, the end of last year, this was one of the words. The healed will be the healers. Everybody say that. Say, the healed Healed will be be the healers." healers. And then it went on to say, the delivered will be the deliverers. When we as a church embrace the other three words, which I'll say in a second, when we as a church, we as a corporate family, embrace these other three words, we'll see a corporate anointing. Everybody say corporate anointing. Corporate anointing. For healing. Amen. Okay, here were the three words, and these are just the phrases, like the key words to sum it up. Be strong and courageous. That's out of Joshua 1. Year of alignment. Anybody here gone through some alignment in this last year? Things changing? You know what's cool is it takes number one to get to number two. It takes a little bit of courage to be willing to lay on that table and let... Right? Let things change. How many of you really really like change? You just love things to change? I don't. I mean, every now and then I like an adventure, but... And then number three, be strong and courageous, year of alignment, number three was new wineskins. And so this is the willingness to be greased back up, oiled up in places where we've maybe gotten hard or calloused or things have been difficult, and God renews and restores some things, and then He pours something new on the inside of us. And it may not be something completely new, although in the context where the Scripture is where Jesus is talking about new wineskins, it's the Holy Spirit. That was completely new. But sometimes the Lord's wanting to to breathe and refresh something in us, maybe that we've even let go of or ignored or been offended at or whatever, but any way you cut it, we're to be strong and courageous, we're to be aligned rightly... And then we have to be willing to be new wineskins for things to change, for there to be new things that God's willing to do. And that takes a lot of courage too. Anybody here had to go through some major changes in your business or in your school or in your family and relationships so that you could make room for the new thing that God wants to do. It's not easy. But here's what the Word was, and you say, well, don't we have the Bible? Isn't Don't we just already know these things because it's in the Word? Why do we need a prophetic Word? well, I don't know about you, maybe you're just a genius, but there are thousands of things in here. And I I, I have difficulty remembering, like, is my toothbrush, uh, another, do I need to get a new toothbrush? Is it doing a good job on my teeth? Why is my dental floss breaking? I think I need to do laundry. I've got stuff to do today. And there's There's a lot of stuff here, and the Holy Spirit's really great. He knows that there's a whole lot here, and He's really good with with us and with a family of people to go, hey, come here. Here's the game plan this year. I want you to focus on a few things, because can we focus on a thousand different things all at once here at Resonate Life Church? Can we do that? No, we can't. We can't. How many of you are multitaskers? You're all liars. There's no such thing as multitasking. They've proven it. I'm just kidding. Y'all are like, I'll never raise my hand again. I'm offended. Church-er. That Now you're church hurt. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Great. We've got a class. Where's Carolyn? We've got a class for you. Okay. So the Holy Spirit's really good to say, here are the things I want you to focus on. Just do this right now. This is the appropriate time for this. The Bible says for every time, every, everything there's a season, everything there's a time. There's a time to weep and mourn. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to sow seed, and then there's a time to harvest the fruit of that seed. So if I'm supposed to be in a sowing season, and I, oh, I come outside, and I look at my fields, and I go, "Well, oh, where's the crops? And and the Holy Spirit's trying to say, hey, it's a sowing season. But I'm not listening because, well, I'm supposed to be reaping. I've sowed a lot of seed in the past, and boy, God owes me because I've worked real hard. Well, if I'm in a sowing season, but I'm expecting a reaping season because I don't know the season that I'm in, I'm going to be disappointed, discouraged, confused, and offended with God and other people. So, is sowing biblical? Shake your head. Those of you in the back, shake your head. Is reaping biblical? Yes. Do they happen at the same time? No. How do we know the difference? Well, brother, it's in the Word. Yep, yeah, I'm just trying to brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, He's really great. He's called our counselor, the one called alongside, our teacher, our comforter. And He sits right there like a coach next to me. He goes, all right, Ben, today here's what we're going to do. You're in this kind of a season. Here's how I want you to posture yourself. Thank you so much, because I, I didn't have a clue. My kids are throwing fits. This morning, I had to redo. You know, Katie comes early on Sunday morning, so I'm redoing Trinity's hair. And, and she goes, Dad, how do you even know how to do my hair? I have no idea. I have no idea. It's the grace of God, because I have to. And kids are doing this, and we're getting ready for stuff, and then we're coming here. And I don't know about you guys. Anybody have a morning like this this morning? My friends back here know what I'm talking about. So do we need the Holy Spirit's help? I don't know about you, but I don't always have my act together, and it takes the Holy Spirit. We need Him as a corporate body to help us get down the road. I mean, I'm putting the cookies on the bottom shelf this morning, guys. If you were coming for something really complex, I get it. We'll try to get into the Word here. I know this is simple stuff, but I want to put us in remembrance of the word that the Lord gave, and here's why. I'm sitting here this morning, and I'm thinking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I literally saw this this family like Isaac and Jacob. Abraham was digging wells as you were coming up this morning to be prayed for, and Brian released that word. This is what I saw in the Spirit. Abraham is digging wells. He's a father. And he's, he and his servants are digging wells so his family can live and survive in the desert. But he's got a son named Isaac. And Isaac is there. He's, how many of you dads had little boys that loved to work and, and saw and nail and hammer and, and, and screw stuff in? And you gave them a little plastic toy so they could pretend next to you, right? So Isaac, little three, five, six-year-old Isaac, sitting there with his little tikes, you know, shoveled, kind of digging with Abraham, you know, trying to do his best to be like dad is little Isaac getting a whole lot done? No, Isaac is actually very dependent and very needy because his father is strong and mature and has heard the promises of God and knows how to dig a well. But then Isaac grows up and Isaac goes through some stuff. He goes through some hard things. He gets through some offenses towards God and towards people and he stays on the path of righteousness and God gives him the strength to dig his own well. And then little boy Jacob's standing next to Isaac one day with his little tiny shovel, and he's learning how to dig a well. And Isaac had become the man his father was and moved from someone who was dependent to get water from someone else to someone who could get water for himself and for those in his family. And this is what the Lord is doing in this body. It is a good thing. The Bible says, let those who are sick call for the elders of the church. It is a good thing when you need help to call for those who are mature and get the help that you need. And I've had to do the same. But there comes a time in all of our lives when God says, now I want to call you up to this place where you're not just needing to get a fish. I want to teach you how to fish, how to dig a well so you have an abundance to give away. Now, what does that mean? This word says, if we will walk in these three words that were already given, then the healed will become what? And the, de- the delivered will become the? In other words, I move from needing someone to dig a well for me to being able to dig my own well. I have to go through the process myself first of learning something, and then I know how to do it for other people. I become a consumer. I move from consumer to producer in the spirit. Here's why this is really important. How many of you ever laid hands on the sick and seen them recover? Okay? Individually. Okay? That is a promise of God that those who believe in Jesus those who obey His commands, those who follow the Holy Spirit, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. That is an anointing that God puts on His people, right? That's the truth. You say, well, I've only been born again for a week. It doesn't matter. You could have been born again five minutes and you can go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But I didn't go through a discipleship class. Well, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit meets a need. Now, there's a whole lot of other things you need to be disciple to learn how to do, but Operating in the power of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily one of them. You can learn to do it better. But for a corporate anointing to be here, that's a little different. We can operate in individual anointings, but a corporate anointing, what's that? what do we even mean when we say that? A corporate anointing is where a group of people have come into unity on a specific revelation God is giving to that group of people and saying, I want to mark you as a family for this specific revelation and anointing, and the family says yes, and then the family is willing to go on a journey to be able to have that thing. Now, it doesn't mean, well, let's all come up and, and Pastor Jeff and the elders are going to lay hands on us and put oil on us, and then we're all going to have this corporate anointing. No, that's not how it happens. I wish it happened that way, and I wish babies could be born without any pain. But you have to incubate revelation, and you have to birth it through maybe a little bit of pain. In other words, there are steps you have to follow. For the healed, or for there to be healers, there has to be healed. For there to be deliverers, there has to be delivered. You have to be delivered by God in order to become and learn how to be someone who can incubate and hold and release Deliverance in Jesus' name for other people. Why? You have to grow those muscles of faith. God did it for me. I know he can do it for you. I have the faith for it because he did it in my life. I have it. I've obtained something from God. There's a transaction that happened in my life, changed my family, my body, my mind, and I can give that to you by faith. That's how it works. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. And so God wants to do something here, and here's the wild thing about it. I can't lead anybody to a place I've never been, and I can't give away something I don't have, and neither can you. What does that look like? Well, it's, it gets a little messy. Because to be a, a body, a, a family with a corporate anointing to release healing, that means we together have to go on a journey to be healed. Well, I I got healed last week. I I stood up here and gave a God story. And I'm, man, I just, I literally wept through the entire God stories. I just sat there and it was like, it was so powerful. (laughs) So awesome. And that is what God is doing. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of that. But see, what it takes is not just an anointing I receive because somebody lays hands on me. The anointing comes because I say, okay, God. You know the shape of my marriage. You know the addiction I'm in. You know the stuff that I'm going through, that I'm hiding from everybody else because I want it to look like it's okay and I'm willing to to surrender. We have to obey the truth to get the wisdom of it so that we can walk in the anointing of it. Does that make sense? I have to obey it first, which means... I have to go check myself into the hospital and take off my really cool clothes and put on that thing with the flap, and other people can see things that they shouldn't be seeing, and it's a little embarrassing. Would you agree? Anybody here ever been in the hospital? Does anybody remember Bryant Spratlin who was here with me a year and a half ago, two years ago? Bryant ended up breaking his hip, you know, and the hip the hip ball came out of the socket, and the he was in a car accident. It was gnarly. I was in the hospital with him for an entire week. And he was on all kinds of pain meds. And I thought, surely he won't remember all this. And there was a day when they had to flip him out of the bed, and we're all having to help. Because he's a, you know, he's a he's a healthy dude. <laughs> you know, he's a good, good sized dude. And and you know, Bryant's, you know, gowns just everywhere, and you know, he's, you know, just whatever. I thought, well, praise God, he's not going to remember all this. And when it was all over, he goes, you were in there, weren't you? <laughs> Don't, if you ever tell anybody. <laughs> but we're good friends, so it wasn't a big deal, you know. Uh, Libby and I are in there, and she's just going, <whistles> you know. And it's one of those things where if he wanted to get healed, he had to put it, submit himself to a place where other people are going to see and know things, but you know what? He walked out of that hospital and he had a testimony of divine healing because God touched him and took the pain in a day. It was awesome. But see, he had to go through some stuff that was, it was humbling. How many of you have had to open up your marriage or your own addiction or your own heart and lay it before a brother or a sister and say, I, I can't do this. I need help. James 5 says, confess your faults, your sins, one to another that you may be healed. So to have the ability to give it away, I've got to walk through the process. And God is starting to put the pieces together in this family so that that process is possible. It's beginning to happen. The pieces are starting to come together. And you're going to see it come together more as this next year unfolds. We have an incredible prophetic team, an intercessory team. Carolyn Dunnigan's been doing these workshops. I don't think she's had one in the last few months. She's been doing workshops, and Dana and her team have been doing intercession and prophetic ministry, and there's others of you who are ministering to people in this body. As we go on this journey together and you begin to say yes to the process for what's going on on the inside of you, here's the beauty. As you win in your family and you win in your neighborhood, and you win in your workplace and in your own heart, the corporate anointing means we don't just start to impact one at a time. Whoever comes up for prayer, or we meet in the parking lot at Walmart, yes, we do those things. But the beauty of a corporate anointing is there's something here that can now impact the entire city. See, that's the difference. Every church in in the world has the ability to pray for the sick and see them recover. But not every church is bringing the revelation of divine healing to their city. Would you agree? Not every church in the city is bringing the revelation that Jesus delivers from demonic torment to their city. Not every church in the city has the revelation and the victory over mental illness and OCD and PTSD well, there's electroshock therapy, and there's all kinds of therapies for that. Doctors can treat, and they can help, and they can give you a margin of relief, but God's the only one who can heal and deliver, Amen. and any doctor who's worth their salt will tell you the same thing. We can help you. We can treat you. We can give you a margin of relief, but our job is to meet people in that place with all the relief doctors can give, and I'm so thankful. Man, with my appendix had burst and I was about to die, I was really thankful there was a guy there with tools to get in there and get that thing out. And I didn't die. But that doctor can't fix everything that's wrong with Ben Watts. I can't pay him enough money. He doesn't know enough. He can't fix my marriage. The counselors I've been to couldn't fix my marriage. They couldn't fix me. Only Jesus could do that. So... When I was a a little boy, I grew up in a a really awesome church, but there ended up being a lot of moral failure in that church. A lot of the leaders had moral failure that hurt me, hurt a lot of the the people that I knew. It was very devastating to our community. Um, My my dad and I back then had a, a very kind of distant relationship. It was difficult. It was strained. And I grew up knowing that I had the call of God on my life. But there was things in me that weren't right, and I didn't know, I didn't really understand why things were wrong. I grew up with night terrors almost every night, really nasty, terrifying things that I would go through at night that I really didn't say anything about, a lot of nightmares, a lot of waking up in the middle of the night, screaming and crying and all that good stuff. Um, as I got older, developed... OCD-type tendencies, lots of anxiety, I was, I was pretty unhealthy through college, developed intense control and, and rage, uh, things had to be very perfect, I had, my life had to be under control and the people around me had to be under control because of I didn't know why. And I thought, well, we'll move to a new city and get away from all the stuff that's happened and things will change, we'll have a fresh new start, and guess what? Did it change? No, because the problem was not in the city. The problem was in me. So I just brought it with me to the next place. And change didn't really help. Then I went to college, went to university, felt the call of God on my life to work in ministry, worked for a church for eight years, got married and thought, this is it. I'll get married to this beautiful woman who's incredible, has her act together, and she's going to, I mean, it'll be great. And guess what? Did that change help? No. And you guys should just be so thankful for my wife, Katie Joe. How many of you husbands are thankful for your wife because of what she put up with? <laughs> and my wife endured a lot of things. And I made our marriage miserable at times. Now, we had a lot of fun. There was a lot of great stuff, too. But there were points of pain that were so painful, neither one of us at times wanted to go on. And I was at a point in my education and in ministry where God was calling us further, and I saw the waters getting deeper, and I knew if we go into that place, we won't make it because we're a mess. I'm a mess, and I won't survive deeper water. Too many pressures, too much responsibility, I won't make it. I've seen lots of guys blow apart because of the pressures of ministry, because their personal life was a mess. Anybody hear me? Business, same way. Education, craftsmanship, whatever you you love to do, the pressure can get so intense. If, you're, if your own framework is broken because of things that are not healed, it's too much. You can't do it all. There's not enough. And so... I fasted and I prayed and I laid on my face and I cried out to God. I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't even answer your call on my life because I'll screw everything up. Just like the people before me screwed things up and hurt me. I'll do the same thing. I knew it. And I said, God, I'm not going back to this city where you've called us unless you do something because I don't even know what to do. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I'm tormented. I don't know why I'm enraged. And it always seemed like people would describe the kingdom and their experiences with Jesus in a way that I was, it was just beyond my reach. I knew all about God. I was filled with the Spirit. I'd been born again at three, but I just could not get that intimacy with Him. I just, I could not understand His love. I knew about it. I'd read about it. I mean, I I remember growing up reading C.S. Lewis and Oswald Chambers and A.W. Tozer and all the the classics, all the greats, and just soaking in the knowledge of God, but I could not reach it. I could lay my hands on the sick and see them recover, but I could not lay my hands on on the love of God for my own life. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And I wanted more. That's just... The plain and simple truth. And I said, God, you've got to you have to rescue me because I'm drowning. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled believer, and I'm drowning. My marriage is drowning. My finances are drowning, and my calling is is shot. Unless you do something. And at 10:30 at night in a seminary classroom, getting my master's degree in Virginia Beach at Regent University a girl named Mary Ruth probably 21 years old and a and a retired army chaplain named Mike Brown who he used to argue with me that the holy spirit, the gifts of the spirit and all that stuff was not for today and I believed in divine healing he didn't that was for back then he was a cessationist so we we would have this kind of friendly banter and go back and forth and he was just a great guy loved the word of god he was a teacher and I, I I just thought he was awesome. The two of them stayed after class because Mary Ruth came to me. She said, I've been praying for you all day, and there's something wrong, but I don't know what it is. Can we pray for you? And I was on my third day of prayer and fasting asking God for something radical, and I said, absolutely. She said, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know. I'm practicing the prophetic, so don't tell me a thing. (laughs) I said, okay, whatever that means, because at the time, I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, okay you're crazy but at that point I was so desperate I didn't care if it was if anybody was crazy you know what I mean when you're desperate you don't care so so class ends and she comes up to me and she says Mike get over here Mike's like okay (laughs) you know what are we doing she's like I just need a man here because so this doesn't look weird so okay So we start praying, and the only way I know to describe it was at some point, she didn't even know what to do, she just said what God told her to say, and it was like God took a key, and He stuck it in my soul, and He unlocked the basement. And up in front of me, like a movie, played all the scenes of my life that I had pushed down and forgotten about and said, none of that matters, I'm moving on. You know, pressing forward, forgetting the past and pressing forward, the problem was the past was in me, and it owned me. And so it couldn't be a trophy of grace in my past. It was, it was bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred in my present because it lived in me because I wouldn't let it go. And when she began to pray, the Holy Spirit went click and out came all this stuff and I hit the floor and for about an hour and a half, I just I wept as God showed me the truth of my life and I grieved and I grieved and I grieved pain of the abuse of spiritual leaders and the abuse of different people in my life. These were people that I loved dearly and respected. And how many of you would agree that it's those we love the most that can hurt us the worst? But it wasn't just that. It's that I had held them with unforgiveness and hatred and bitterness. And I was trying to protect myself. And the Father was inviting me. Just let go. Just forgive them. And what I began to realize was, as I repented of my own pride and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness towards people and hatred, and allowed the forgiveness of God to flow through me that I couldn't produce on my own to to release them to Him, what happened was I began to get free. And I remember laying on the floor, and this, this girl said, Man, this is really weird, but I I know this is going to sound strange, but it's like I see a knife in your back. And God just told me to go grab it and pull it out. I know that's odd. And I'm, you know, snot's coming out, and I'm laying on the floor, and I'm seeing all this stuff, and I'm like, I don't care. You know, when you're on the operating table, you don't, whatever. So she just reaches down, and she pulls this imaginary knife out. And literally, it was like... uh, the most foul thing that had been tormenting me for years left my body, physically left me. I've never had another night tear since. All the OCD stopped. The rage stopped. The self-hatred stopped. The insecurity even stopped. I got up the next morning, and, and my room, my office was a mess in our apartment, which never happened. I was always way cleaner than her. I ironed my own socks, my own underwear, my money. I mixed my own starch. My car was spotless. Everybody had to be perfect. And I could shred you with my tongue in two seconds. Right? Anybody anybody know anybody else like that? She goes, what happened? What happened? I said, what do you mean? I'm writing in my journal. What happened? She goes, your office is a mess. What happened last night? I said, babe, you need to sit down because I think I just got saved. <laughs> That's what I said. Little church kid called to ministry. <laughs> I think I just got saved in seminary. Why? God reached down and he rescued me. That's, it's, it's that simple. I don't have a long theology or doctrine for it. All I know was I was blind and now I can see. I was drowning in my own crap, and Jesus reached into the water, and he pulled me out. That's all I know. Well, what happened on the floor? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. What do you think happened? I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. I don't watch the heart surgeon when he does open-heart surgery. I'm asleep. I wake up, and I feel way better, that's, that's, and, I'm, and I pay him a lot of money right? Glory, glory. I love you. I love you. You're awesome. You're awesome for eternity, for the rest of my life. You're amazing because you did what I couldn't do. Listen to this. This is so cool. I'm going to read a few scriptures. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to go too fast. Jesus, when he ministered to people, he ministered to the whole person. He ministered healing to the sick. Many times he would just say, what do you want me to do for you? He met them at the point of their greatest need. And they would say, they could have been the worst sinner on the planet, don't know anything about, come here from Sikkim. And and he says, oh, you're blind? Okay, I'll I'll heal you. Well, don't people need to be saved before they get healed? Well, I don't know, do they? Maybe in your rules. Maybe in your rule book or the denomination or the, the religious whatever that you were given. But man, I read the Bible and Jesus went around healing people. Relieving them from demonic torment and helping them. And many times he went through the door of their physical sickness because that's all they could see. And then they looked back and saw him in truth and fell in love and they came through the door of salvation. Well, but they need to agree to go to church, not your church. Okay. I'm sorry, Pastor Jeff. If there's cleanup to do after this, I'll I'll forward those emails to you. (laughs) Listen to how Jesus uses the word healing and other people use the word healing because this is what God is doing. He is turning this into a well of healing, not this building, not this carpet. Not even this space that we occupy. He's turning you and you and you and you and you and you and you. Why didn't you look at me? You and 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 you Yes, you, into a lightning rod for healing. and you and you and you and you and you and you and you. Well, he didn't look at me Is it? Yes, it's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. you. He wants to give you his anointing as you walk in obedience to his word and follow him and surrender your pride and surrender your dignity. Well, I don't want anybody else to know my stuff. Well, get ready because in heaven, everybody's going to know all of your stuff. We might as well just get started now. A wise man once told me that. Let's just do it now. Let's lay all our cards on the table and say, Jesus is worthy. I'm not the person you're supposed to be looking at anyways. It doesn't matter what you think about me. It matters what you think about him. Because you won't stand before me on that day. You'll stand before him. I can't do anything for you. But he can do everything. In fact, he already has. And so, listen to how he talks about healing. Because this is what he's giving this house if you, if you want that, would you just say yes? Yes. Okay. In Matthew one twenty one, the Scripture says this, Jesus will save his people from their sins. The word for save is sozo. Now in Matthew 8.25, the disciples drowning, they're about to drown in the boat, water's coming in, they're about to go under, and they say, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Guess what the Greek word for save is? Yeah, say it loud. Not a trick question. Yep. Matthew 9.21, if I can just touch his robe, this was the woman with the issue of blood, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. What's the, what's the Greek word for healed? Sozo. Well, I thought that was when you're drowning or when you're in sin and you need salvation. Jesus is going to save from sin. But why is it describing physical healing? Mark 6:56, they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were Sozoed. Luke 8:35-36. Now this will bake your noodle. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been freed from the demons. This is the demoniac with the, tw- with the 2,000 or the Legion of demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been sozoed. Now, a lot of you guys know that, but here's what I want to do. Some of you didn't, but I want to remind everybody of this. Isaiah 53 talks about how Jesus was bruised and wounded and pierced and beaten and lashed, not just for our physical healing and not just for our emotional healing. He was beaten and bruised and lashed for all of it. He was beaten so that the root of sin could come out of us and the effects of that sin could be restored and healed and delivered. See, Adam and Eve agreed with a lie. They disbelieved God's word and went with another word. Their train flipped tracks. From one word to another word. Satan's real cunning. He knows we're built to run on word. So he knew how to give us another track to run on. But he traded the truth for a lie. And Adam and Eve went with the lie. And at the root structure of every disease, every brokenness in your home, financial ruin, at the root of every form of bondage and addiction and pain is a lie that's living on the inside of you that you won't kick out or that you don't know is there because you've been in agreement with it for so long, you don't know it's a lie. You believe it's the truth. But that root lie will give birth to the fruit of depression and anxiety, abuse, rage, bankruptcy, unfaithfulness, unbelief, fear, torment. It will, that lie will provide a landing place for everything you don't want. Jesus came for this reason, first to atone for sin, to take what was broken between man and God, put himself right in the middle, and pay the price for sin so that man could be restored back to the family, back to his father. Legally, when you come to Jesus, the wrath of God is no longer over your life. When you don't don't believe in Jesus... When you don't by faith accept Him, then the Bible says that the wrath of God remains over your life. But I've been a pretty good person. But are you holy? Are you perfect? Can you earn? Have you become? Can you make yourself righteous and worthy to be in heaven, worthy to live in the family of God? No. But I'm good, not good enough. So Jesus shed his blood to make you good enough. He shed his blood to actually make you righteous on the inside, to seat you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, the Bible says. That's the root of sin. But then everything that has grown out of that lie and out of that position of unrighteousness, which is every form of torment, every form of addiction, selfishness, anger... A broken marriage, broken finances, failed businesses, everything that has come out of that root, he's now come to heal and deliver and help and pull you up out of the mud. And year after year after year, sozo you, sozo you again, sozo you again, and sozo you again and again and again until the day you stand face to face with him. And on that day, your sozoing will be complete. But I was saved a long time ago, and you're gonna keep being saved. Or are you saying I'm not saved? No. I'm saying you are constantly in need of rescuing. Amen. You've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, but I'm telling you right now how many of you know you can be a born again, spiritful believer, but still believe a lie and be as depressed as the rat on the corner with no cheese? Right? Isn't that possible? Stand to your feet. If I could just have somebody come up and, and play the keys a little bit. I, what is that you, Pastor Jeff? Are you doing keys? Let somebody else, okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> just rest. How, how many of you would say, yep, I could use a little bit of some of that. Anybody here? Okay. 40%. How many of you say, I've been doing this, And I want to own it and learn the skill of it so that I can incubate it and give it away with skill in the upcoming years to this region. Anybody want to do that? Do you realize what it's going to take as a body to do it? We're real busy people and we have a lot of options because there's money. You say, well, I don't have as much money as the person sitting next to me, but you got a whole lot more than most people in the world. There's a lot of options here. Paul said, You're soldiers, not civilians. This is not just a feel good cheerleading session, although we celebrate what Jesus did, especially today when we're all together. This is a lot of fun. We get to celebrate. But do you know that you are being trained for battle? Paul said, If you're being trained for war, you don't act like a civilian, you act like a soldier. You take on the mindset of a soldier. So when God says, hey, I want to deal with this, it's going to take a process. I want you to lay some things down so you can go through this. But God, I've worked too hard to build up this kind of business. I've worked too hard to do these things. I just bought a boat and I want to go fishing a lot. But I want you to put some of this stuff on pause because I need you to take a journey because of where I'm taking this city. Are you willing? God, my family's okay. Okay. We'll figure this out. My my, my wife and I will figure this out. Do you want to just survive or do you want to become someone who knows how to dig a well so that you can be a producer in the kingdom to give away life-giving water to people all around you? Man, they're so... They're so... I feel like there's a really good group of you that are grabbing a hold of because you already know who you are. But there's so many in this room that you, there's so much more available than, and you know it, you know it. You're like, man, I want more. I just don't know how to get it. I'm telling you, if you will stay here and pay attention and get on board, God wants to do more in this next two years of your life than has happened in the last 10 Well, how can you say that, Ben? I'm just telling you. Because I know what God is saying, and I've done this many times, and I've seen this with thousands of people. Katie and I have worked for many, many years with a whole lot of families. We've seen a whole lot of healings and miracles and marriages put together and addictions surrendered at the cross and lives transformed, families put back together, prodigals come home, people grow up and go from bankruptcy to ownership and to fruitfulness from unfaithfulness to faithfulness and after a while you just see it so much and you go man god there's nothing you can't do there's no lost cause as long as there's breath in your lungs man god can do something way more than you can ever imagine it's just true it's not a pipe dream it really is true but you've got to be willing to lay some things down and walk through the fire go through the process with him let him lead you So here's what I want us to do. I'm not going to do an altar call right now for this. But what I want you to do is if you're willing to say yes to the word of the Lord, to be a family that incubates the anointing for healing and the wisdom and the skill of it, how to walk with people, body, soul, and spirit through the cross, through the blood of Jesus. And be able to minister that not only in this house, but to the city, wherever we go, to do it corporately, to be in unity about it and to have great authority. If you want that, then I want you to lift both of your hands and you say, but I'm not healed yet. I'm not there. It doesn't matter. Jesus will get you there. He knows the way because he is the way. But if you want to say yes to it and you're willing to lay your pride and your dignity to the side. And just say yes, then surrender. Just lift your hands and say, Father, do in this house, do in this family what you want to do. Just begin to cry out to Him. Church, just begin to speak your heart. Just ask Him. He said, ask and I'll give you the nations. Ask me and I'll give you Lucas. I'll give you the broken. I'll give you the hurting. I'll give you the marriages that are on the rocks and I'll restore them. And set them in this place as a trophy for the kingdom. I'll give you the wisdom to do it. It It's not going to come from your natural mind. It's going to come out of the testimony of your witness because of what my blood did in you and for you that you couldn't do for yourself. Father, we ask right now for this city. We ask for the broken. We ask for the demon-possessed. We ask for the lost, the prostitutes. We ask for the the millionaires and the billionaires who are depressed and lonely with PTSD and they're ripping people off because they felt cheated. Oh God, we ask you to give us the harvest. Give us this great harvest, God. Let us not be a city comfortable or a church comfortable, but let us be a light, a city on a hill for all the surrounding region. God, make us yours and cause us to shine brightly with your glory, your wisdom, your healing. Father, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Have your way. Now, Father, I ask you to put the healing salve right now on every heart that is feeling passed over like there's no way I can't even, I don't even know how to get on board with this because I'm, I'm so broken. Nobody else sees it. Man, there's a, there's a handful. You just feel like you can't even, it's like I don't even know how to agree. The Holy Spirit is touching you right now. Father, I ask for hope to be ignited. Hope to be ignited. You leave the 99 and you go after the one that strayed so that it isn't picked off by the wolves and the lion. Father, I thank you that you've set ones in this body already who have a testimony. Some of them we already heard from in the God stories, and it moved us. Father, we give you praise. We thank you that there are faithful hearts in this place that have been hungry for a very long time, and they've walked the walk, they've obeyed, they've stewarded what you gave them. Father, I thank you that you've called them to this place at this time for a reason you have a plan if that's you you know that you've been called here you know what you carry but you're not yet sure fully what it looks like some of you do you've already, you're already fit into your place you've been aligned this year but if you're still wondering what's my place what, what do I do with it fully I just want you to put both of your hands out Father you see them God, I just ask for the full alignment. We ask, even in this last month, for the full alignment. Father, I ask you to release wisdom and direction for everyone that is called as a leader to teach and to lead and to minister and to equip the saints to do the work in this city. Father, I ask for wisdom for our elders and our staff that are called to equip the saints. Father, I thank you for the great treasure that you've put on the inside of the men and the women that you've called here to help steward and oversee this work. Father, I thank you most of all for the anointing, the same anointing that you gave your son when the Holy Spirit anointed him for the work he was to do to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus, we love you. We know that it's because of your blood that it's even possible. We love you, we love you, we love you. Look at me for just a second. If you have a need and you're here and you didn't come forward whenever Brian called for those who need a prayer for healing, we're still here and we wanna pray with you.